Yes, coming in hot with episode 47 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I am Sean and I'm joined by a man who looks as lost as Ollie at the moment, Jobber. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm great. No, no, I, I know exactly what's going on, so no problems on mine. But, geez, the boys were boring this weekend, Sean. It's a real worry. Uh, yeah, I know. Lack, lack of ambition, isn't it? That's, that's, uh, that's what it is. But no, don't worry. I've got some uh, I've got some notes ready, locked and loaded for that, mate. So we'll tuck that away for later. Flavor of the pod is we've got some weekly happenings. We've got the EPL review, the midweek games, and then the preview, looking forward to the weekend. And then we've got a pod multi. Yes, that's right, a pod multi. Roger's been put on probation due to the um, he had to be, didn't he? results. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, we had a vote here at the pod, um, and it was 374 to 373 votes. So, yeah, he's on. <laughs> I don't know. Work with the whole team. All right, look, let's get into the opening question. So, Steve Bruce and Matt Ritchie had a training ground bust up. So, apparently, last week, um, after Newcastle conceded the equaliser against Wolves, um, Steve Bruce said that Matt Ritchie was too slow to get the instruction out, and that's why they got the. Um, that's why they copped the goal. So then that followed up this week. Matt Ritchie called Bruce a coward. So this is a pretty easy question. Steve Bruce, Matt Ritchie, who wins and why? And are there any other things we need to consider? Newcastle's got a bit of a history about this, don't they? Um, we mentioned the Boya and Dyer running a couple of weeks ago where they had dust up on the field. So, yeah, nothing new for Newcastle here. I think Brucey would take him going head-to-head um, and probably knock him out. But the other thing is I think it's good that Newcastle are having these run-ins. Like I think it shows that they care, shows that they're engaged in the fight and that they're, you know, willing to to go through this because I think if you were more like placid and just let the season pass you by and go down without a fight, I think that would be something to worry about. So, no, I think it's probably good news that they're up for the fight. How do you take away this? Yeah, I I think Brucey does a job on Matt Ritchie. Um, Brucey's got a melon of a head, doesn't he? Like he could take punches. Um, And I just think Matt Ritchie's fitness has always been a problem. So I think Bruce would just take the punches and then eventually drop him. The only other thing that you'd need to consider, and it's always the same with Newcastle, is is Andy Carroll fully fit and is he going to throw himself in there? Because I think with Carroll's size, if he picks a side, I think Carroll's going to win. Um, so wherever Andy Carroll goes. But I just don't know if he could get fit to participate. So if he's rushing off the treatment table, he might do a hamstring or something on the way over. Mm, maybe <laughs> if he sticks them. to the fist and um, no roundhousing, he should be okay to get through it. You know he's coming in with a big bike, standard Carol. He's like, oh, I'll just take it easy. <laughs> nah. Um, all right, so look, there's a bit going on this week. So did you see Sir Marcus Rashford and Harry Maguire exchange some verbals this week? Uh, no, I haven't seen this, actually. Oh, you have to so, catch me up on this. So, so Harry Maguire has clipped one out to Marcus Rashford. Marcus responded with, what the F am I supposed to do with that? And then Harry said something, and then Marcus just told him to F off. So I think, I don't know, you're saying that for the fight as well, and you're happy with that? Or are you saying Harry just needs to improve his passes and Marcus needs to improve his performance? No, well, um, given Harry used to play for Leicester, I'd probably say that Marcus needs to improve his first touch, if you ask me. So the next one is Manchester United Reserves, Inter Milan, march on in the Serie A. So they've gone top, and on the weekend, I don't know if you noticed, but all the scorers in their 3-1 win were former Manchester United players. <laughs> so what are you saying? The Man United B team in Serie A is doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're six points up in the league now, and um, Manchester United obviously dwindling a little bit. So I don't know who, who made the right decision. Next one, Stevie Gerrard, <laughs> referee John Beaton, 
out of order after being shown two yellow cards after approaching Beaton at halftime on the pitch um, in Rangers' game against Livingston. So Beaton made the decision to book Alfredo Morales. Now, you, do you know Alfredo Morales? He's got a, a good disciplinary record, uh, no history of diving. Um, Upstanding <laughs> so, citizen. Upstanding citizen. Pardon the pun. I think he almost had as many red cards as he had goals last year, and he scored a lot. Um, but uh, he took he, the referee said he took a dive, but he was clearly clipped by Livingston keeper Max Strijek. Um, which left Stevie steaming. The other interesting part about this is the game was played at the Tony Macaroni Arena. That's not a bad name, is it? Uh, um, did you hear or see the Stevie G interview at the end? Yeah, well, what's he said? Yeah, oh, he said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course he did. Um, he said that, um, oh, don't worry about him because um, he was worried about like the, the interview was like, oh, aren't you worried about the reputation of him? He sort of might get, you know, dragged through the press and run away. And he's like, don't worry about him. Um, he's dancing in the changing room with no shirt on um, after scoring the winner, um, singing Sweet Caroline. So don't worry about him. He'll be just fine. Um, so the last one was – I. Don't know if I took a photo of this, but I meant to. Um, fans were bagging Richarlison on Twitter. Um, and yeah, one, of the, one of the fans was like, you're a little bitch, Richarlison. I bet you he comes on and he probably comments on this and Richarlison wrote back, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, have a look at that. But that's all the weekly happening. So let's get into the EPL review brought to you by Amex. Yeah, we love Amex. A couple of links in the show notes for anyone who wants to um, get those juicy, juicy points. All right, so first one, Man City 4, Wolves 1. Did this one surprise you at all? Uh, no, not really. The aspect that surprised me was the fight that Wolves put up. Um, so I thought they did rather well early um, and it wasn't till sort of late that the game drifted away from them and then the weight of possession and the slow choke that is Manchester City um, sort of wrapped around Wolves' neck and choked them out late doors. So, yeah, I think that was probably the only aspect that surprised me and the fact that uh, Kevin De Bruyne started too. Um, I wasn't sure if he was going to be ready for this game, but, yeah, Pep sort of um, brought him in and started him, which was I thought was a little bit surprising. What do you think of um, City's performance? Stock standard City at this point? Stock standard City, I think. Um, Wolves set up fairly defensively. Adama up top by himself. Um, Neto and Semedo sort of supporting, but very defensive. But City opened him up pretty early through um, a Leo Dendonka own goal. So it was just that brilliant City interplay. Smashed across the box, and Dendonka really couldn't do much, could he? Bit of a ch- bit of chat about um, whether Dendonka should play it or try not to play it. Like, you're damned if you, if you do, damned if you don't at that point. I think... Yeah, zig- zinged across the six-yard box and Sterling dropped behind him. So, yeah, I think he's got to try and deal with it. But, yeah, there's not much you can do when you're sprinting back and then you need to clear it the other way. Uh, so, Wolves hung in there. But then Jao uh, Moutinho free kick to Connor Cody. Now, this this blew my mind. So, Connor Cody's first ever shot on target in the Premier League and his first goal from a header. Good header too. Yeah, not, not bad. I think he's had a, an okay season. He's had uh, some high profile um, blunders. I think that one that he took down on his chest um, against Man City in the Cup was probably one of the highest profile ones. But apart from that, I think he's yeah. had a good season um, and he might be a shout for the um, Euros squad. Yeah, good goal. Um, got him back in the game. But Manchester City are just ruthless, aren't they? Yeah. What do you do when the subs that they bring on, they bring on uh, Gundogan and uh, the game really changes from there. 
Yeah, so Jesus saves the citizens. Um, I've been hanging on to that one all day. So just a bit of a scramble in the box, and then Jesus smacks it home. But they just weren't done. That wasn't enough for them, was it? To get in front, no. They just... I think I can't remember who it is, but um, potentially it was was it Hoover trying to dribble out of the box, dribble out of his own 18 yard box against Manchester City, and then they just swarmed on him, and then Mares tucked away the finish after a bit of a scramble in the box. Yeah, good finish. Um, but I, like, if you're Wolves, you can't. But uh, like, I appreciate you shouldn't dribble out, but I think. One of the alternates that you're thinking of, I can tell, is to hoof it. But the problem is that they'd been hoofing it for, um, or not not hoofing it, they'd been clearing it for the last couple of minutes. And at what point do you go, geez, once we keep clearing it, we'd, they just come back at us. So we should try and play or try and do something different at that point. Yeah, I wouldn't be dropping the shoulder in the 18-yard box against Manchester City. But Each of their own. Yeah, so that's 3-1. And then they just were not done even then. So... Gabriel Jesus, 94th or 93rd minute, and he is still chasing like shots into the box. Just shows the mentality of them. They're just absolutely like immense the way they go about it. Yeah, well, that's what happens when Aguero's fit again and sort of breathing down his neck. Jesus has his, um, his spot on the line, so he has to do those type of things, which he should be doing anyway, but I think that's just extra pressure to do that. And he was um, he did that rather well and, and got his goal and, and probably deserved it too. Yeah, so two goals for him. Men City four, Wolves one. Um, obviously, City going to the derby next week. We'll talk about that later. Let's go Burnley one, Leicester one. Oh, I was surprised by this. Oh, I thought Burnley would win this game. Did you really? Um, well, given Leicester's starting team, it didn't fill me with confidence when I tuned in uh, to see the boys. So they've had to bring um, Ndidi back to centre-back, Liverpool-style, playing uh, midfielders at centre-half. And then had um, Sancho on one side and Amate on the other. So, I mean, at that point, I wasn't um, brimming with, with confidence. But what do you think of Chowdhury's back pass? <laughs> I was going to go with the negatives here. Just a nice bit of build-up there from Chowdhury to put Raja in. Um, no, he just slid it back. I don't know what he was thinking. There was talk of Chowdhury going out at um, uh, on loan over over the January window, but, um, yeah, he couldn't get, a, couldn't get a move or a temporary move, and he stays with the squad. And then, so, yeah, he's going to sabotage from within. But, yeah, a short pass. He did leave it short, but indeed he shouldn't have jumped in either, I don't think. Once it's left short like that, yeah, it just that just shows that um, he's a centre midfielder playing at centre back and normally you could make that decision at centre midfield because you've got the support behind you. But when you are playing in a back three and you are the middle guy, you probably shouldn't jump in like that. No, that was that was ill-advised. But um, your boy Ian Hacho got less the levy level. This was stunning. I thought this was a, such a good goal. Like the keeper, like looks like he's out of position, but it's just because Ianacho just gets there. But that volley over the shoulder—that is not an easy finish. Technically, very hard to do coming over the shoulder like that in a left foot volley. So yeah, Ianacho did rather well. And then like the Nick Pope looks a bit dopey there because if he stays on the line, essentially he's you know picking it up in the middle of the goal with a not very powerful volley back to him, which is a straightforward save. It's when he comes out that Ianacho volleys it that makes him look dopey. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah, because there's not much you can do. It's just brilliant from Acho and a big surprise because um, he's been fairly poor the last couple of weeks. But um, Leicester City after that on top, but fairly unimaginative. Um, even with Vardy in the lineup, they're really missing James Madison, aren't they, amongst you know five or six others? Yeah. 
Oh, like they miss Madison. I think again the link-up play between the midfield and the the front two in this situation w- was missing, and yeah, Leicester seemed to have a heavy reliance on Madison. I knew they relied on him, but just not to this extent. So, yeah, I think out the play out of the back to the midfield is fine. With they seem to link up just fine and can play through those lines. It's the next line that, that they have um, trouble with. Interestingly, from Burnley's perspective, they had nine English players starting the game. That's rather impressive, isn't it, in this day and age? It is, it is. But the one English man that I wanted to see perform was Jamie Vardy and he just looks he looks a little bit underdone or potentially like tired, just not himself. Not himself, but I think it's a service too. I think when, when he sees Madison get on the ball in the half turn, like he gets excited and he can make those runs in behind. Um, I think the problem is when Chowdhury and Mendy um, Castagna and uh, Pereira, who played in the midfield, um, get on the ball. I think he is a little bit less excited and less inclined to, to make those type of runs. Yeah, so Leicester City um, stay in third, but Chelsea are breathing down their neck now. Burnley, uh, Burnley, Burnley, Burnley are up to 15th, 15th now, three points ahead of Brighton and Newcastle. So slowly, slowly for them. Um but not too bad signs. They have a big game this week as well. But let's move on. Sheffield United won Aston Villa. Now, Sheffield United overcome the yellow card, and this is a big win. I know we were a little bit um, flippant about it last week, but this takes them ahead of Derby County 0708 for the lowest Premier League points total ever. Big achievement from Wilder and the boys. Big achievement from Wilder. Wilder is getting on the beers, as he mentioned in the post-match presser, and he said the players are definitely not getting on the beers. But what for the um, McGoldrick goal, what are you thinking in the lead-up play? Shot or cross? That's the big debate. So um, the actual lead-up play was quite nice from Sheffield United, like the passing to get to that, but that is a horrible shot. Um, it's a shot. Yeah, it's okay. a horror shot. And then McGoldrick's done well to get on the end of it. And I think everyone is so surprised by how poor the shot is. But McGoldrick's done the right thing and followed up. It almost looks like it hits him in the foot. Like it's such a weird look. <laughs> it hits him in the foot. Yeah, it sounds a bit weird, but yeah. yeah. But um, very important goal for Sheffield United. And they didn't. They didn't. They only mustered one other shot on target for the rest of the game. But um, Villa looking quite listless right now. Yeah, no no, Jack obviously hurts them. It hurt almost any team, but I think similar to Madison, it takes sort of the the spark out of out of their squad um, when you take him out of the squad. Um, you know, the, I think the, the movement slows down in front of um, – in the front third when both of those players are out for each of their teams, um, like a, the real talisman and like barometer for both those teams. I think if both those players are playing well – um, Villa and Leicester will be playing well. But um, what did you think of the Phil Jagielka red card? Like, I don't think the tackle specifically was that bad. It more seemed to be the situation where he was deemed to be the last man, which I'm not so sure is the I case. Thought it was, I thought it was harsh. I thought it was harsh. really harsh, oh, yeah. Great. I, I, I think they're getting a little bit carried away with this now. And I thought we'd moved on from this last man thing, but apparently we're back into it. Um, I thought it was really harsh. Yeah, so... I think who was it? Was it Brian who could still come over to cover? Yeah, not um, sure. Like that's a thing. I think they could have got across there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And they're still still so high up the pitch. Like he's only just probably in the front third. He's probably still in the middle third um, when he receives the ball. So. Yeah, but they did well to hold on for the last thirty minutes. So big three points for them. They move up to they're on what are they on seventeen points Four, now? 14. 14, 14 so that's within touching distance of West Brom, three points away. 
any chance of survival. I honestly think there is a chance, um, as thin at as it is, but obviously they're going to have to go on a bit of a streak. Like I don't think they're any less of a chance than West Brom are, to be honest. So I think if you if you want one of those to survive, I'd probably almost back Sheffield United over West Brom, to be honest. So Sheffield United stay last. Aston Villa uh, now still ninth, but like they're in a fairly patchy run of form. But I think Jack's back this weekend, so that should help them. Yeah, I think Villa are probably suffering a little bit from um, overachieving at the start of the year. So if you look at ninth now, you're like, oh, geez, they, they were – they were flying it at one point. I think they might have even been top at one stage very early on in the season. Um, and then so now if they're ninth, you're thinking, geez, they've, they've slipped. But I think if you were to offer that at the end of last season, start of this season from where they finished, you know, they didn't miss relegation by a lot last season. Um, they would have taken that sort of mid-table or at least in the top half. So I think with a bit of context, looking back over the whole season, I think they might think that, that this is not going to be the worst finished ever. Um, it just hurts a bit coming from where they came from at the start of the season. Yeah, they bite your hand off a knife, I think. Um, so let's move on to the uh, the low light of the week. Crystal Palace nil, Manchester United nil. There was a massive fog over this game, and thank God, so you could miss large parts of the Manchester United performance. What did you think of this one? Like, par for the course, or just Manchester United just aren't that good? Oh, they, they look scared. Like, Ollie's probably done the right thing in, um, you know, locking down the um, the goals that were sneaking in. And I think they, they've done that rather well. Like, obviously, they play a four with the two in front, so they've always got sort of six there to defend. But they just look, like, scared to go forward. They look more scared of, like, losing games than they do um, being brave enough to go out and win games. And I think that is the difference when you're getting to changing the conversation from, you know, getting in the top four to winning, winning a title. You've got teams like Liverpool and, and Man City um, and even Chelsea at the moment who are out there trying to win games and being a, a little bit braver, whereas Man U seem to be a little bit a little bit more scared um, to go out and do so. I think if this performance came from a Jose Mourinho Manchester United or a Jose Mourinho Spurs, Everyone would be like, oh, look at him. He's so defensive. He's such a coward. Why doesn't he go forward? Boring football. Um, and I'm not sure why Ollie gets away with it a little bit more considering the context of he was brought in to play the Manchester United way. And if there ever is not a Manchester United performance, if you're going on um, stereotypes, this is it. Yeah, it was it was extremely poor performance. And then the other thing that was slightly confusing for me, I don't like it. I don't want to talk about the game at all. Manchester must have one shot on target. The best chance of the game fell to Palace late on. Great save from Henderson. But what did you make of the substitutions? So Cavani gets the hook for Daniel James and Fred for Scott McTominay. So with all the money that's been spent and you're chasing a goal to win the game against Crystal Palace, and that's where you turn to. Which is crazy considering the resources available. Yeah, just such a, an unbalanced squad, but it was just... Taking off Cavani when you need a goal just seemed ridiculous. But look who you had on the bench. You had no other options to go forward, really. Like yeah. Dan, Dan James is the only attacking player on the bench. You've got yeah. Lindelof, Tellez, um, Brandon Williams, um, Twin Zabi, Scott McTominay, and um, Danila, who's – they're all defensive players, right? All yeah, or Diallo. Players. Diallo's a winger, but he's not going to – he's not going to like – Set the world alight. Um, but really disappointing performance from Manchester United. They stay second, but that's the fourth draw in the last five. Um, and they go to Manchester City on the weekend. But 
I don't know how good your memory is, but last year Scott McTominay bagged a 35-yarder against Manchester City last year. So there's every chance with the fit squad that they could steal a point there, but um, didn't look good. I don't so, think so. Um, but like, if you're in house at Manchester United, what is the the message and the goal? It's just top four, isn't it? Like, I don't think they're genuinely saying, "Oh, come on, we can do it. We can band together. We can try and track these points down." When Manchester United, we can go at them here and put a scare in them um, this weekend, and then start to track down those points. I don't think those conversations are happening. They're saying, "Let's not lose any games and finish in the top four. That's more of the. Message, I think it's. I think agree? it's we, like you've got to be finished top two. Like, the goal has to be top two. Like, you're in the position now. There's absolutely no excuse to not finish top two. Like, there's, honestly, there's no excuse. You're already in the driving seat. Um, and just producing insipid performances, I don't want to hear about, like, you don't have the resources, the squad. You've had the time to embed it. This was the year you were supposed to be putting pressure on Manchester City. At least, like, if he doesn't finish second, honestly, you should be out the door. Yeah. All right. So, United stay second. Um, Palace uh, up to oh no, they stay 13th. So they, that point was important for them because now they're two games above Southampton. So I think they're, well, they're pretty close to safe, I'd say, based on that table and the way Southampton are playing. Um, but let's move on to the next one. So West Brom nil, Everton won. Richarlison with the winner. West Brom pretty uneventful as per usual. Do you have anything to add to this game? Not really. I suppose it's nice to see Richarlison back on the score sheet and um, I wasn't expecting a lot from West Brom. A good win away from home for um, Everton, which I think we suspected was going to happen. Um, a clean sheet, they sort of move on. I think this is a game that they would have liked to do a bit better, but um, yeah, 1-0, three points away from home. You'll take that and move on for Everton. I don't think there was anything um, too exciting or too anything out of the ordinary coming out of this game. No, the only one was Richarlison scored in his fourth consecutive game, becoming the first Brazilian to score in four matches in a row. So good stat for him, and he's playing some good footy. Um, so hopefully he can keep that up. And if he can Minute keep the match up, too. Yeah, if he can keep that up, Everton can sort of hang around there, thereabouts, I think. Um, next one is Tottenham 1, Fulham 1. couple of surprises from Jose here, wasn't there? What? What You tell me what the surprises are there, mate. Have you ever heard of Deli Alley? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Get to start. Actually. Get to start and a goal. So we go with the Kane, Son, Ali, Bale front four. Oh, that's exciting. It's exciting. I thought Mora, Lucas Mora, was a bit harsh. Um, being left out, considering how well he did last week, and he did um get on the score sheet. But yeah, he started with Dally. Um, and I think similar to the front three getting together, which is what we spoke about on the last pod. The last piece of that was um, Dali Ali sort of playing at 10. So Spurs fans have finally got that together. Jose's, you know, got them all fit and got them all on the pitch at the same time, which I'm sure is exciting. And that paid off with um, Dali getting the goal early on. Yeah, so Spurs started brightly. But um, the big talking point for this one is the handball. So Josh Marge, I thought he'd equalise in the second half, only to be ruled out by VAR for a Lamina handball in the build-up. So what happens is a bit of a scramble in the box and it smashes into the arm of Lamina. And the arm literally could not be any more by his side if he tried. And the ball just smacks into his arm um, and Marge tucks it home. But then VAR rules it out. And I am genuinely aggrieved for Fulham fans and absolutely bewildered by this decision. Again, it doesn't make sense and I'm not saying it does. Um, but what I will say is that the rule is if there's a handball 
in the lead up to a goal, it does get chalked off no matter whether it's natural, unnatural position, deliberate, not deliberate, whatever. So that, um, there, that is the rule I appreciate. I'm not trying to say it makes sense. I'm just saying that that's a rule. Um, so hence the, the goal got So there'll be, there's going to be a rule change in the near future, like it's agreed by the ILPMA or whatever they call themselves, that that won't be a handball in the future. So Fulham are a victim of the timing of this. That was absolutely ridiculous that that's called a handball. Like, and Fulham should be rightly aggrieved by it. Um, not that it's going to help their cause at all. So <laughs> they stay 18th um, and Spurs stay 8th. So Spurs now 42 points. But, um, yeah, full three or a point dropped here for Fulham, which would have been nice to reduce the gap to Newcastle to two. But what can you do? Can't spend all day talking about these ridiculous VAR decisions. But let's get to the <laughs> yeah, big one. The less talk, the better, the better, yeah. Let's get to the big one. Liverpool nil, Chelsea one. That's there's a couple of stats here that we just can't go without saying. So Liverpool have lost five in a row at home for the first time ever. And they that's coming thought, on the on. that's coming on the back of them having that massive win streak yeah. at Anfield. So there was 68 games or something crazy in a row. Ridiculous. Um und- undefeated and then boom, five in a row for the first time ever. Crazy. No goals from open play at Anfield in 2021. Just to reinforce that, we are now in March. So that is the third month of the year if you're calculating that at home. Do you think they should play their home games at Goodison Park maybe for a bit? They used to, didn't they? I don't know. It could be time. Um, but what did, you, what did you make of the Liverpool performance? And were they just undone by Tuchel's genius or was there more to it? No, I don't think they were undone. Like even their performance I don't think was that bad. I think they, they showed more ambition um, than say Manchester United did, so I still think they're brave enough to to come forward and try and win games, which you can clearly see they're they're going to do. But yeah, I, I think running into Chelsea um, is probably the second worst option you can do in the in the Premier League at the moment. Obviously, you want to avoid Man City, but the next form team for me in playing good football is um, Chelsea. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, this is more reflective of Chelsea's performance rather than Liverpool's performance for me. Um, so I probably. Yeah, put more stock into the um, the Chelsea outcome. Mm. So as as a, a, new, a relative neutral in this game, so I really enjoyed the uh, Chelsea performance. So they were they identified that if they move the ball quickly behind Trent Alexander Arnold, that there was space there, and they did a consistency, but I, consistently. But I think that required them to be quite brave in possession. So they had to try like they were just they've identified that weakness, and then they had to play it fast, um, and they did that, and that that is a risk. I think against Liverpool, giving them the ball, like playing those low percentage passes and potentially giving Liverpool the ball back to attack you. But like I think they executed absolutely perfectly. Yeah, they played some good stuff, especially out from the back. I thought Christensen did really well on the ball and his defending was rather good as well. I think Asper Quetta made, he made a couple of mistakes and gave the ball away a few times for me. But um, yeah, I think another clean sheet for Tommy Tuchel. Um, he'll be very happy with that. The other thing that was interesting was the like alignment of these both these guys' careers coming through Mines and then through Dortmund and then now both finding their way in the Premier League. I didn't know that their careers sort of, you know, mirrored each other or followed each other to such a close extent. Which is so a good performance from Mason Mount, but the other talking point from this one here, Mo Salah getting the hook after sixty two minutes. He looked he looked relatively happy to be coming off, didn't he? <laughs> Did he? I don't know about happy. I think I think well, his he head was going to explode. He um he realised the need to be a change though. Um, Klopp, like I couldn't see 
how um, like like although, although they were ambitious, nothing was really coming off. So I think a change was needed, um, and then it was just a matter of which of the front three it was going to be at that point. Yeah, I, I thought Mo was absolutely steaming when he came off, um, and it's oh, interesting too chasing the goal that you take Mo Salah off. Like that's that's a big risk, but he Mo Salah was quite poor throughout, so it sort of made sense. Good to see Jota coming on, though. Um, I know he's had a long layoff. Coming from Wolves, he started really well at Liverpool and then, yeah, picked up that that injury, which has cost him a lot of the season, and now he's coming back into the squad. So I think that front three better sharpen up. It'll probably do them really good, actually, to have some pressure on their spots. Mm. So Chelsea uh, stay fourth. They're now four points ahead of Liverpool, who are in seventh position. Um, And, like, do you think Liverpool are going to make the top four from this point? Oh, it's looking less and less likely, isn't it? Especially how well West Ham are doing, Everton are doing, and then obviously Chelsea absolutely flying at the moment. So it's going to be tough. Um, oh, I don't know how brave I am. Not very. So I'm, I'm assuming you're just going to go with whatever the week. I'll sit on the fence. I'll sit on the fence. <laughs> One of those Steve Bruce characters. All right. <laughs> So that's where we are. So let's move into the EPL preview brought to you by Amex again. So thanks, Amex. Um, find the link in the show notes. So we start off with an absolute humdinger, Burnley versus Arsenal. Arsenal had a bit of time off, but do you think that'll be enough for them? Um, I don't know about the word humdinger. I'm not sure this is something I'm that excited for, but I just think Burnley's run of form does not inspire me whatsoever. Um Oh, I mean, no wins in their last four. I think Arsenal are good enough to get it done, even though they're playing away um, at Burnley here. So I think I'm going to lean towards Arsenal with this one. Yeah, Arsenal are beaten in their last eight away league games against Burnley um, and have only conceded seven goals in 13. So I think Arsenal should have enough quality. Um, they seem to be finding a little bit of forward momentum. Um, and like Burnley... We're relatively unlucky during the week, but I think going into an underdone Leicester City side's a bit different to Saka, Lacazette, and Co. Um, so I think Arsenal are going to take care of this one. Yeah, Saka didn't play against um, against Leicester, so I think that um, the rest will be doing good, and he'll definitely start this one. Interestingly, Burnley won the reverse fixture, um, and that, that was our first guest on the pod, if you remember. Um, that Arsenal fan calling in after the Burnley game. Um, so, yeah, Burnley won that fixture and they're looking to complete the double against Arsenal for the first time since 1962-63 season. Oh, wow. Jeez, that'd be good, wouldn't it? All right, so I'm taking Arsenal in this one for the win. Arsenal, Arsenal. easy. Yep. yep. All right, so the next one, next one is um, if you're going to avoid one game this week, this would be the one <laughs> I would suggest. So Sheffield United, <laughs> Southampton, last versus 14th, the worst team in the competition versus probably the worst team on form, and I haven't got any stats to back that up, just personal feel. Who do you like in this one? And keep it brief. Interestingly, I had that written down, actually, one to avoid um, this game. So, I mean, I, like, I think I'd like to see Sheffield United get up. Um, and I'd like to see them, you know, just mix it up a little bit with the Fulhams and the um, West Broms. I think that'll scare West Brom um, a little bit. So I, I, I'd i like Sheffield United to win, and I think they might do so. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think Southampton have been so poor lately. Uh, it's hard to see them winning. Sheffield United coming off that massive result against Villa. They really do need a win here, Sheffield United. But, um, yeah, it's a tough one. I'm going to go for a draw in this one. Go for a draw. So, yeah, um, Shay Adams... Shay Adams has scored more Premier League goals against Sheffield United than any other side. Does that sway you? No, maybe, maybe. No, no it's just <laughs> it's too hard. No, I'm not gonna. No, I'm saying draw in this one. I think it's gonna be draw. It's gonna okay. be boring. All right, so let's move on to Aston Villa versus Wolves. Two sides, bit of a rut. Who do you like in this one? I think I like. Villa. I think Wolves are having a, a bit of a identity crisis and I think like everyone still thinks of them and judges them on that Wolves team sort of two years ago and the continental style that they played and how they were inspiring. But I think, you know, they, they've lost Jota since then. Um, Raul Jimenez has obviously moved on and I'm missing one more on a big transfer as well. So, um, yeah, I just think that they're unfairly judged Wolves on the team of two years ago. And I think if you look at this team, they're, they're bang average. Um, and that's why I think Villa will get it done. I think, is Jack back for this game or not? Apparently he is. Apparently Jack could be. <sighs> there you go. Yeah. Nah, Villa will get it done. Yeah, okay. All right, so um, I am going to go for Wolves in this one because I think even though Jack's come back, he's missed a few games. I think Wolves eventually have to pull things together and it's been pretty unimpressed with Villa while Jack's away. So let's move on to the next one, Brighton versus Leicester City. So Brighton need points and Leicester City, they don't need points, but they need to turn things around. No, they, they need to turn things around for sure. I think... One thing that's sort of unfortunately um, good news for Leicester is that Lamptey had another setback with his hamstring. So, oh, did he? Um, Damn it. Might miss this game as well. Whereas um, Leicester has no new injury concerns, just all the old ones. So that's <laughs> oh, good. No. Uh, yeah, look, I think Brighton are actually going to get the job done here. Uh, I think Leicester's injuries really? are. Yeah, I think Leicester's injuries are too significant, and that back three is not inspiring confidence either. I, don't have a huge rap on Chowdhury. I think once you move Ndidi out of that midfield, um, it just changes the dynamic completely. Like I think Ndidi is as important defensively to Leicester as Madison is going forward. Um, and once you shift him out of the midfield like Jordan Henderson, I think it has a, a bigger impact than you can sort of statistically measure. Like just, just yeah. the work rate and the intensity he brings. Um, and Brighton, I think, are a pretty good football side. Definitely a better side than the Newcastles and Fulham's around them. I think Brighton are going to win this game. Mm. Why do you hate everyone's second team? I don't get it. Oh, I think Leicester will have enough to get past Brighton. I don't think Brighton are, are that decent at the moment, and I think they're prime for the taking, especially no Lamptey. I suppose that that's you, know, you never want to hear that, but I think that's good news for Leicester fans. Um I mean, it'd be great if Madison was back from this hip issue, but it, um, it looks like he will miss this game as well. But I think Leicester might get it done. I hope they get it done. All right, so let's move on to what is potentially the most important game of the week. So West Bromwich Albion hosts Newcastle. A lot going on in Newcastle. Obviously a former Steve uh, Sam Allardyce coach team as well. Who do you like in this one and why? I think this will be interesting to see who who decides to um, like take up possession and take 
control of the game. Like both teams enjoy not having the ball. So is it possible for both teams to have 20% possession and the rest of the time the ball to be in the air and in dispute? Mm, maybe. Um, but So I think, yeah, whoever wants to, you know, stamp their authority on the game and get the ball down and, and take control of the game um, is likely to um, come away with the points here. And I think, like, what Newcastle's injuries are just – like to their key players, um, I think they were just going to hurt them so much. Like they've only got a couple of sharp tools and a lot of those seem to be injured. Um, Wilson, um, St. Maxima is injured. Um, and who else is injured at the moment for? Uh, so Callum Wilson, to... Miguel Almiron and St. Maxima Almiron, are all that's injured. The one. So those three yeah, players Almiron. constitute half of Newcastle's goals. Jeez, that's bad, isn't it? But I think as trash as um, West Brom are... I still think they're not good enough to to get past Newcastle. And, yeah, this is a huge six-pointer, and I think Newcastle are going to win it. I was leaning towards a draw, but now I'm going to go Newcastle to win. Yeah, right. Interesting. I'm going for West Brom to win those three players out. I don't – I genuinely don't know where a goal will come from from Newcastle, and I say that, like, all the time, but I can't think of a player who will score in that team. Like, Jolinson's not going to do it. I don't think Ryan Fraser's going to do it. Um, so they don't have a goal to win the game. Best result, I think, for them is a draw. Um, and West Brom haven't been good lately, but I just think Newcastle's morale seems a bit low, those key absentees. I think West Brom are going to win this one at home for Big Sam. Oh, that's juicy if they win it. Yeah. Bad no, news that, for Fulham too. Bad news for them. So that would take them up to 20 points and they'd be six points behind Newcastle. Um, so that this could have massive permutations for the rest of the league, this result. Yeah, no, big one. All right, big let's one. move on. So um, Liverpool take on Fulham. So Liverpool in seventh, Fulham in 18th, just three points by Newcastle. A win here, a win here, and it gets very interesting, doesn't it, for Fulham? It does get very interesting for Fulham. I can't see that happening. If your Liverpool is just what the doctor ordered, um, a, a, uh, a Fulham team sort of limping um, up the highway to come and see you, and I think Liverpool will have too much for them. Um and they really need to turn things around, don't they? They do. Yeah, Liverpool, like Fulham need to start winning games. And Liverpool, like, and they weren't that bad this morning, but they're just not putting the results together. Um, another game at home. So I don't know if that's a good thing for Liverpool anymore. I don't think it's a good thing, no. I think no. that you probably want to get away from home. Although there's no fans in there, I think the pressure of um, of going to Anfield is a bit of a struggle for them. What does Kloppo do with Jota? Does he drop one of the big three out and does Jota come in? Would you be surprised to see Mo Salah on the bench? I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't say I'm shocked by it because I think something needs to change, right? They need to need to do something, and he hasn't been in good form. He was the first one, as you say, brought off on the weekend. Um, yeah, Josh is fit again. He got some minutes under his belt, so is he ready to start a game? Mm, it'd be interesting to see. Or he could do what he did and, and play all four of them, um, which I think he shocked Man City by doing not so long ago. I wouldn't mind saying that, um, especially against Fulham. But yeah, I think I think Firmino is going to get dropped for Jota um, this week, uh, just to spice things up a little bit, try and provoke a bit of a change because they do need to to get something. They rec- they haven't scored a goal in open play at home, as we said before. But I think they should be too good for Fulham. Everyone thought that last time that he was going to get dropped, but he never did. So yeah, that is definitely one to watch to see what Coppo does. Yep. All right, so both going for Liverpool in this one. So let's move on to the derby. Hey, well, this time last year, I was sitting up in the bloody bleachers, 
nosebleed. You were knocking some poor kid's phone out of his hand in celebration. <laughs> Scott McTominay's banging away 35 yarders, but I sense there could be a different result this time around. Yeah, I don't. Man City weren't in the form that they're in at the moment. Um, I you can't not tip Man City in any fixture. I think that they'll beat Manchester United. I, I'm not sure they'll do it that comfortably. I think there's going to be a fair weight of possession on the Man City side. Um, I think Manchester United has some sort of like complex about playing the big six or the top four, whatever you want to call them, um, this season. So I think they'll definitely shut up shop. They'll definitely play four at the back with two holding and and try and keep it tight. I think Manchester United's way to victory is to obviously tuck in, keep it tight and try and hit City on the break. The longer they can keep that clean sheet, the more and more likely that will become because Man City will step forward more and more and more and go for the win, whereas I don't think Manchester United do that. They'll play deeper and deeper and then try and catch them on the break. But having said that, I think that's how the game will play out. But I think Man City will be good enough to crack them. Um, and I think they'll get their goal, which means um, Manchester United will have to come out and do something. And if you do, I think um, Man City are pretty much the perfect counterpunchers. So, yeah, I'm leaning towards Man City and that's sort of how I see the, the game playing out. Okay, I'm going to stick my neck out here and I'm going to say Manchester United are going to win this game. <laughs> You're an idiot, mate. Nah. I, I think I think all those things you're saying are correct, but I think Manchester United play their best football when someone else is on the front foot against mm. them. Obviously, yeah, City, no, I agree City, with that. don't get me wrong, City are much better. They are straight ahead, but this seems like the perfect storm. So Manchester City come in with this, you know, record to protect of so many games. Manchester United, they're down and out. They're like second, but the gap is just so big. Um, and City are going to come out and impose themselves on straight away. So I think that that's going to benefit Manchester United. You'll see those players like starting to edge forward and then the pace of Rashford, potentially Martial. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dan James, although I hope he doesn't. He could get a start as well. And just Manchester United on the counter. Um, so I'm going to tip Manchester United or draw in this one. Last thing I want to hear on this game, is it going to be a dour affair that you don't want to see? Or is it going to be an absolute cracker because of these two contrasting styles? No, it's a dour affair that you don't really want to see. I think it's going to be a slow choke for um, Man City. And, yeah, I think, yeah, I just think that that they'll crack them, but they'll crack them late. I think Manchester United should be able to hold out at halftime to to get to nil-nil. But I think from there, Man City will step forward again and and that'll be it. So I'm thinking low-scoring, dour affair, heavily weighted to Man City's possession. All right, so public holiday in Victoria, too, if people are interested. So get up and watch this game live. Take it all in. Take in the pre-game, everything. Michael Drink Owen's it in. Commentary. Drink it in. Yep, so we're split on this one. You're going City. I'm going United. United are going to cut that um, gap down to 11 points and really spice things up. So next one, a bit of a London derby. Jose Mourinho's Tottenham travel to Crystal Palace. What do you think about this one? Is Jose going to roll out the full artillery again? I think he's going to roll out the full artillery again. I think as long as he's getting results, he'll keep doing the the same thing. So hopefully he plays the the front three um, as we saw before and it'd be nice if um, Daly can um, get his body up to start again or he brings Mora back in. It might just be too much too soon for Daly um, considering that he, he hasn't played or, or started. <laughs> hasn't been injured. <laughs> no, but- but he can't go from sort of playing 60 minutes um, in the Europa League once a week to yeah. 
being able to like um, start two games in a row. I think that that's very different. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see him start, but I think Mora might come in for him. But I think the the front three will stay the same. I think um, Spurs will have too much for Palace. Palace are just a little bit uninspiring at the moment. Without um, Zaha coming back and being fit, I think that really hurts their creativity. Obviously, take him out of that team. Um, that will do that. Um, Crystal Palace haven't beaten Spurs at White Hart Lane or Spurs' home ground since 1997. Shit. It's a bloody long time. Mm. Um, yeah, I actually I agree with everything you're saying. I actually think Spurs are going to do a real number on him here. Really? Mm. Yeah, because I think I think Palace are going to be a little bit more confident after the nil-all draw against Manchester United, try and come out a little bit, like a little bit more than they normally do. And I think Spurs just have so many players up front that can hurt them. But they can, like, the good thing about Spurs that Manchester United don't have is I feel like those Spurs front four can hurt them from anywhere. Like Harry Kane can bang one away from 25 yards. So can Gareth Bale. So can Son. But Sun can also get in behind. Kane can hurt him in the air. Like, they've just got so many ways they can score. Um, I think they're going to do a real number on Crystal Palace here. Oh, there you go. Hmm, brave. Very brave. Right, very brave. Next one, Carlo Ancelotti derby. Chelsea versus Everton. Chelsea are absolutely flying right now, and they are looking like a well-oiled machine. But Everton seem to have found a little bit of a level playing field as well. Who do you like in this one? And do you think Carlo will be really up for this? I think Carlo will be really up for this, yeah. Um, as we said a while ago, Everton's form had really, really dipped and they fell out of the, the top four. Even though they had a couple of games in hand, they, they didn't really win those and capitalise on that. You, know, you keep wanting them to take that next step and you look at their fixtures ahead and you think, oh, gee, they can really take that next step and get into the top four and they just keep slipping up. So, yeah, it's interesting to see if Carlo can sort of um, take that next step forward and, and push his team forward. If he wins against Chelsea at Chelsea. He'll be the first manager in Premier League history to have managed Chelsea and then go back there and beat them. Okay. How's that? Uh, okay, so so Tuchel's win the other day, I think, put him in quite a stand company. So he's now um, – he's been in charge for Chelsea for how long now? Ooh, Ten games. A couple of weeks. So apparently he's got a better record starting than um, Klopp and Jose. So, yeah, Klopp started slow though, didn't yeah. he? At, at Liverpool. Yeah, and he's doing a fantastic job. But I, I, I'm just so impressed with how like quickly he's put his mark on this Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. Like they're just so much harder to break down. All the crap that Frank Lampard brought in, like they were. <laughs> oh come on! You know, mate. Like, they were, everyone's like, oh, they're an attacking side. They're great to watch, but they just did not have a clue when they were defending, and you could see it. But they just seemed so much more robust under Tuchel. Timo Werner, without scoring this morning, I was so impressed with his application and desire. Um, and for a goal scorer that's not scoring, that's that's a hard thing to do. But Tuchel seems to get him, you know, ticking over, and he's still putting in big efforts for him. And I think he'll score in this game, and I think Chelsea are going to win. Yeah, okay. I think Chelsea will win too. I would. I'm going to tip Chelsea against sort of every team at the moment, unless they're coming up against Man City. So yeah, yeah I probably agree with that. As good as Carlo's um, run has been, and as good as um, Everton have been, I'm going uh, Tommy Tuchel. Yeah, no, they're looking very good right now, and I actually think they're going to finish second. So you can take that Ooh. one. The back. Yeah, I was trying to find the odds for it as well. Interesting, considering you think Manchester United are going to win this weekend. So that's still a hell of a gap. But oh, they've still got further to fall. All right, so let's move on to a very, very interesting fixture to wrap up the round. West Ham currently sitting in sixth. Had a nice little rest versus Leeds. The entertainers in 11th. Who do you like in this one? 
I think I like the Backstreet Moyes in this one. <laughs> That's fast becoming my favourite nickname um, for a football team. And so, yeah, I think they've had a good run of form and I think they will be good enough to get it done against Leeds. Obviously, I'm going to put the caveat in there of who knows what Leeds team will turn up, but I think it being at um, the home of the best stadium migration of all time will help um, Moisey and his boys. So I've got West Ham here in a close one. Yeah, so um, I was quite impressed with um, West Ham against Manchester City. Although they were defeated, I thought they were quite valiant in defeat. Leeds have lost four of their last six games following... uh, Leeds have lost four of their last six league games too. So um, a win here could put them above Arsenal. But I just think the Hammers are looking so solid right now. And I know it's all going to come down to one thing for me. And that's the big question is, is Mikel Antonio fit? (laughs) <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Bamford. Um, no, it's, is Mikel Antonio fit? If Antonio plays, I think West, El- West Ham will win this game. If he doesn't, I'm actually going to go as far and do a full pivot and tip Leeds United. Yeah, I, I think I think he's fit from everything I've read. So um, I don't think he, he sways me as much as he sways you. But, yeah, I think, um, I think he'll start and I think West Ham will get it done. All right, last question on this one. Will West Ham's defensive solidarity force Leeds to implode here? Won't force Leeds to implode. No, I think Leeds Leeds won't change their style, um, no matter who they're playing or what they're doing. I think it's just a matter of how effective that is, given the circumstances of, of the game, whether that be the the team they're playing against, their formation, um, and how ready they are for the intensity of Leeds. So no, I don't think it'll make them collapse. I think Leeds will do the same regardless, and it's just a matter of whether their suicide bombing um, style of football works or not. Yeah, I think Calvin Phillips is going to have a return here, so this could help Leeds' as cause, but I still think the Hammers are just too solid. Uh, All right, there we are. So there we are. We've, got a, we've got, given got Rogers a having a rest this week, yeah, yeah, what have you got for us? Yeah, so um, as I said, Roger is on um, probation, so he's been given a warning that he needs to sharpen up these tips. Um, so what we've done here is we've got um, Don Juan Mezcal from our cleaning division has emailed in and said, uh, boys, I've got a multi for you. Um, holla. It, so he has gone, Don Juan Mezcal has gone for Arsenal to beat Burnley, Liverpool to beat Fulham, Man City to beat Manchester United and Spurs to beat Palace. He has put 10 pesos down and that will return him 466 pesos. What do you think of that, Monty? So it's Arsenal to win, Liverpool to win, City to win, Spurs to win, and that'll give you $466. Pesos, yeah. Bloody hell. That's a lot of money for... Oh, it's that (laughs) City... Yeah, no, I hear you. All right, so... um, all right, no, I don't. I don't hate that. It's, there's a couple in there that I've got questions around, but I'll I'll ask him directly. Um, so look, if you if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, email footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. <laughs> um, Facebook is footballplayedonpaper. Insta at footballonpaper. Uh, Twitter at footballonpods. Um, enjoy the weekend. Massive derby coming up. If you're not pumped for it already, it's Friday. You've got to have a long, hard look at yourself and try and calm yourself down for the next two days. Yeah, Mr. Mezcal's job is on the line, so don't feel bad for him, everyone. All right, enjoy the football.